there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of the Cosmic Calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about Pluto coming out of retrograde on October 8th. Pluto is a formidable planet. It's probably the most infamous planet of the astrological pantheon. Uh, Discovered in 1930, uh, Pluto has always been associated with the unleashing of infernal powers that mankind is not supposed to have. Um, What that was in reference to is that we had an unleashing of dark forces in the world uh, at that time in 1930. 1930 really comes at the climax between the First and the Second World Wars. Uh, two world wars which really introduced planetary mortality to itself. It was this, what came across in the First World War was that Europe had gone mad. It had gone insane. It had gone crazy. And the war had expanded beyond its bounds and it brought other countries into it. And the um, volume of mass slaughter was so atrocious and so horrific uh, that they said at the time that World War I was the war that would end all wars. If only that had been true, but it wasn't. In fact, World War I led right into the beginning of World War II. In fact, some historians regard the wars as being one and the same, that there was no real separation between the two of them. And the slaughter and the atrocities of World War II, well, they still beggar uh, description. So these are the things that are associated to the discovery of Pluto in 1930. It's this midpoint between World War I and World War II. What you also have um, in the 1930s, uh, really while Pluto is still in Cancer, it's winding up its stay in Cancer in uh, 1938, but what you have uh, in December of 1938 is the discovery of nuclear fission by two nuclear scientists in a lab in Berlin that made possible uh, the atom bomb. So this is really the first time in the history of our culture that mankind was introduced to the ability to wipe itself out completely. Before then, uh, things that wiped out mankind could be storms, they could be wars, they could be famine, they could be pestilence, plagues. I believe the Black Death took out a good one third of of uh, Europe uh, in the 1300s, or uh, in in the 1300s, if I remember correctly, or or it was one third the world's population. I mean, it was an extraordinary death toll. But these were things that were seen as acts of God. These were th- things that uh, you know some people might have regarded as forces of nature or humanity. But it was basically acts of God uh, that were visited upon, um, particularly in the middle medieval period. A sinning culture um, that 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 had asked for it, and so you know we uh, were so rampant in our sins and our in our misdeeds that uh, God unleashed the plague and wiped out you know a third of the world. So so it was always sort of 
th these sorts of larger than life uh, death-like forces were always seen as coming from beyond, from, from the supernatural or the mysterious veils of nature. Okay, so what happens um, with, with the discovery of nuclear fission, which really follows on the heels of the discovery of Pluto, um, is that mankind for the first time becomes capable of wiping out our own civilization. And it begs a question, were we so jealous of God that we needed to, um, to, to, we were so power hungry in, in our jealousy of God that we needed to have, we, we needed to conquer this. We needed to mastermind this ability to wipe out our own civilization and planet. Um, or were we so angry at having ab been abandoned by God that, uh, you know, we, we developed this ability to wipe out our culture and wipe out our planet. Whoever thought that that was a good idea, even in the vicissitudes of war, who would ever have thought that that was a good idea? The, the, the hubris, if you think about it, of like, I will create a weapon that will destroy all mankind and bring the end of wars. It's like, my goodness, someone wasn't reading their Bible. Someone wasn't reading their ancient pathologies. Someone wasn't reading Mesopotamian literature. If anything, that only goads mankind to, to be even worse. Okay. And so these are some of the attributes that got connected to Pluto upon his discovery. I mean, he was named after the Lord of the Underworld. Uh, he's connected to uh, mankind's uh, very complex uh, relationship to mortality, mankind's very complex relationship to God, but not in a worshiping way, but in kind of like an angry, you know, you created me and left me here, Frankenstein's monster sort of way, if you've ever had the pleasure of reading that extraordinary novel by Mary Shelley, um, not the movies, but the novel where uh, where uh, the monster is really referred to as the creature, um, which is what Adam was referred to as the creature, this thing, this, thing, this creature made by God. You know, so Pluto... Pluto gets tied up in all of those things. But at the end of the day, Pluto is named after the Lord of the Underworld, uh, ruling over that country, that no, that that undiscovered country, as Hamlet says um, in his uh, monologue. The that place that people know exists somewhere. Uh, in 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 uh, on the planet at at a time the underworld existed on the planet. You uh, sailed outside the uh, Mediterranean Sea into the large oceans, according to Circe, and you let the current take you to the lands of Persephone, which were around the lands of this of the dying sun or the setting sun. It's fascinating how in the Odyssey, um, Pluto is not named, but Persephone, his wife, is, and she has as much power or as much presence as he does. Circe refers to uh, Hades, not as Hades, but as the lands of Persephone, the lands of the dead. And so this is something, you know, we, we keep in mind when Pluto comes out of retrograde and turns direct. Now, Pluto has been going 
in and out of retrograde for for years. Um, and it's been going in and out of retrograde for years in the zodiac sign of Capricorn. What's interesting about this change of direction is that this is the last leg of Pluto's journey in the zodiac sign of Capricorn. In other words, this is the last time that Pluto will be turning direct in Capricorn and leaving Capricorn to enter Aquarius for the first time in I think it's something like 272 years. I mean, Pluto will, in 2023, enter Aquarius retrograde back into Capricorn and re-enter Aquarius again. But what, as astrologers, we pay attention to is the first time that Pluto makes this passage, okay? So, in other words, a planet is most potent, for instance, on its approach to entering a new sign than it is in the sign or, or, or even leaving the sign, okay? It's most potent upon its approach to a new sign. Uh, just like, for instance, if you've ever experienced the eclipses, that eclipse energy seems to be much more potent in like the two to three weeks that lead up to the eclipse. Not really the day itself, but it's in the two to three weeks that lead up to it where you can really feel the, the effects, the impact of, of an oncoming eclipse. Well, the same thing goes on with Pluto. Pluto is finishing up, winding up its stay in Capricorn and entering Aquarius in this direct motion. And it enters Aquarius in March 2023. And I would love to tell people that, yes, Pluto enters Aquarius, and that's the last you have to deal with Pluto and Capricorn. But that's simply not true, not only because uh, Pluto retrogrades back into Capricorn and re-enters Aquarius, but a planet like Pluto going from sign to sign is really like ending one chapter of a book and beginning the next chapter of a book. It's not like there's a, okay, we're done and you know we're now moving into something completely new and different. No, that's not the way that the planets work moving from sign to sign in the zodiac. So a lot of what... Um, we we have in our mind are going to be Plutonian themes. And basically it's going to be sort of death themes. Now, now this doesn't mean like death themes as in, you know, we're all going to be brooding about death and the end of the world and things like that. Although if you turn on a news program, there seems to be a lot of that that's going on these days. Um, you know, but but what we're doing is that we're in this time between now and March, we're honoring the end of Pluto's um, stay, the end of Pluto's tenure in the zodiac sign of Capricorn as it goes in and, and enters into the zodiac sign of Aquarius. What I find fascinating um, about the fact that the planets are named after the Greek gods, and this is something that um, I, I think is such a powerful statement. A lot of times people will say to me, well, why does it have to be the Greek gods? Why not another pantheon of, of gods? Or, or we have so much mythology, so much folklore in the world. Why why not other other uh, uh, pantheons? Why not other stories? And certainly we have other stories and things like that. But why can't the planets be renamed? Why can't they be revised, um, you know, called after something other than the Greek gods and, 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 and goddesses? And what's fascinating about that is that there's always been a stubborn hold that the Greek deities have had upon um, our civilization, particularly Western civilization, which is not the only civilization, but I'm speaking of Western civilization. There's been a stubborn hold that they've had. Um, if you go and you read early Christian literature, there's 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 a valiant attempt made 
over centuries to 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 rest free from the pagan deities from the greek gods and embrace the christian saints and things like that and it just isn't successful <laughs> there's just something about the stories of the greek gods or the stories of the Greek tragedies, or the stories of the Iliad and the Odyssey that really speak to um, these 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 archetypal or eternal qualities uh, within ourselves. And the planets, having been named after the the gods, enjoy that sort of like interesting status that the gods also likewise enjoyed over mankind. Now, in Greek mythology, um, the Greek gods are immortal, which means they cannot die. Um, they're not necessarily eternally young because you have different ages where they sort of like stay the same age. Like Zeus is clearly a much more mature uh, male looking figure than Hermes is, who's also who's often portrayed as being uh, young and youthful, as is Apollo, you know, whereas Hera has much more of a of a matronly quality than than Aphrodite. OK, so but but what they all have in common is that they are immortal. And the uh, word for uh, immortal in Greece was athanatos, okay? That was the word for immortal, athanatos. It meant undying. And so the Greek gods were immortal and they were athanatos, they were undying. And likewise, when we look up in the heavens, the planets are athanatos, they are undying. The same planets looking down at us. The planets looking down at us right now are the same planets that were looking down at us back in the times of ancient Greece. And they were the same planets that were looking back down at us, you know, uh, at the beginning of our species. And, and the same planets that were looking down on Earth during the dinosaurs and the evolution of life here on the planet. Okay, so there is that athanatos capacity that's given to the planets. They are undying, okay, like the Greek gods that they are named after. And so um, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks made a distinction between immortal and mortal. Okay, immortal was athanatos, okay, undying, and mortals were nitos. Okay, now one would think, okay, nitos, well, that's going to be the um, opposite of athanatos. You know, if you've got immortal mortal, you're going to go undying to dying, you know. Um, but the Greeks, <laughs> the ancient Greeks um, had such a deliberate um, pessimism. <laughs> um, they, uh, nitos doesn't mean dying. Nitos means dead, all right. So, so the understanding of the mortal condition in ancient Greek Greece was that mortals were just dead. They were just already dead, okay, in comparison to Athanatos, the immortal ones. And so what you have in many of the Greek stories and tragedies, and, and, and it certainly shows up a lot of the Odyssey, is this kind of like time forgetfulness that the gods have, <laughs> you know, that time doesn't work for the gods the way that it does for mortals. And so the gods and goddesses often forget, um, you know, that 10 years in the life of a mortal is a big deal, whereas 10 years for Athanatos, for a mortal being is like, huh? You know, it's not even like a second. It's, 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 it's nothing. And so there's this kind of like uh, uh, peculiar and almost humorous forgetfulness that the gods have when operating with the mortals in time. They often forget um, these, these sorts of things. 
Um, so, but of all the gods, Pluto is really the most mysterious. I mean, the, the only myth that really features him prominently um, is, is the story of Demeter um, and Persephone. He shows up and makes really quite um, uh, powerful and significant appearances, for instance, in the myth of, of Orpheus, or he is the personification of the underworld where Odysseus journeys and where Hercules journeys and where Theseus journeys. You know, uh, uh, great heroes become uh, uh, uh mythical, legendary, uh, based on their sojourns, their journeys down into the underworld and, and the transformations that take place as a result. But um, in our own lives, when we think of Pluto, when we think of the underworld, where we think of that undiscovered country, when we think of death, which is not something that a lot of us like to really think about. I mean, you go through a period when you're younger, when you're like, oh, I'm so goth, I'm so death, I'm so like whatever, you know, but that's that's something you can indulge uh, because you're not really living in that place. Um, now, let me very quickly condition that. There are people who are suffering from mental illness or difficulties um, and, and, that, and, and you are in that place. You can be in that very self-destructive place. So I, I, I really do do want to show great respect and reverence and sympathy for, for that very painful um, experience. But I want to signify that it's very different from like, you know, popularity of vampire culture, you know, the undying, you know, that or the undead. They're not the undying, they're the undead, you know, type of thing. And so, you know, uh, death really is something that we don't often think about unless we have to, uh, maybe because of, of an illness that we're fighting, a chronic condition that we're living with, living in a war-torn uh, uh, country or in a country which is beset by violence or a culture in which violence is is part of or a lifestyle which violence is a day-to-day -day thing, you know, or if you're in an impoverished culture or society, you think about it, you experience it, a lot, okay, but what does what, what what does death bring to us in an astrological chart? You know how 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 uh, you know Pluto. We we want to say is the planet of transformation. It 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 brings out all these extraordinary qualities. Uh, but let's face it: a lot of times when an astrologer says, "Oh, you have a Pluto transit coming up," there's a kind of like fear. There's an anxiety that, you know, no one's ever like, you know, Pluto transit coming up, can't wait. You know, it's not like Venus or Jupiter transit, can't wait. You know, Venus transit coming up, I'm going to fall in love. You know, Jupiter transit coming up, I better play the lottery. You know, Pluto transit coming up, it is a goal. Okay, so, so, so Pluto carries with it that kind of uh, uh, insistence on, on on reverence, and it makes us think of the underworld. It makes us think of our dark demons that we wrestle with. Um, it makes us think of our mortality, you know. But but there's there's lots of stories of how the gods kind of slip when it comes to an understanding of of trying to understand the mortal condition. Perhaps the most famous one is um, the story of Eos and Tathanos. Um, Eos, 
uh, is a tightness. Okay, so she's a goddess who predates the Olympians. And so Eos is a daughter of Saturn or Kronos, and she is the daughter of the dawn. Okay, so she's 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 the daughter of the dawn. She's the goddess of the dawn. She's she um she she brings the dawn. The dawn is her 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 glory. So she's always about youth and she's about beginnings and she's about the freshness, the fresh hope, the fresh aspirations that one has when greeting a new day. Okay, so this is Eos. She she embodies this beauty, she embodies this freshness, this innocence, um, this optimism that comes with the dawning of, of a new day. So she's clearly a very beautiful and a very magnificent goddess. And so she falls in love with this mortal, um, Tithonus, uh, who is Trojan. Why do gods, the Greek gods always fall in love with Trojans? But anyway, um, she falls in love with this uh, Trojan mortal named uh, Tithonus, uh, who's very handsome. He's really beautiful. I mean, like, evidently all the Trojans were. Paris was beautiful. Ganymede was beautiful. Tithonus is another um, beauty. Um, so, so she falls in love with uh, Tithonus, who's young and handsome, and she takes him as her lover. Okay, um, when when gods take lovers or goddesses take lovers, it's kind of along the lines of picking out the favorite puppy at the ASPCA. <laughs> um, it's 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 kind of like mortals to the gods and goddesses are like a puppy or like a cat or a rescue, you know, something that you, you know, maybe they adore, but maybe they neglect or, or forget or grow tired of or give away again or, or something along those lines. So mortals are always a little bit anxious or apprehensive when they've caught the eye of a, of a god or a goddess. Um, disaster usually seems to follow on the heels of it. Um, so so Eos uh, falls in love with uh, Tithonus, and um, and he's beautiful, he's handsome, and, and, and he's a beautiful lover. You know, she's like, can make love with you forever, you know, type of thing, and, 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 and loves him so much. And he's so beautiful, he's so handsome, he's so exquisite. And so she says to him, what do you think one day, this is her idea of making a commitment in their relationship. She says, what do you think of my making you immortal? What do you think about that? Would you, would you like to be immortal like me? You know, and Tothonus is like, I would love it. I mean, to be immortal, to never die. She's like, never die ever, 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 not ever, you know? And he's like, yes, yes. Make me immortal. She's like, okay. And so she goes and she, she makes uh, 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 her pleas to the forces that be or whatever. And so she's able to grant Tithonus immortality and, and, and it's successful. Tithonus is immortal. He's going, he's now one of the undying ones, Athanatos. He's going to live forever. And this is an extraordinary thing. She can't wait to, to, to enjoy his lovemaking for eternity, you know. But she makes a mistake. Those gods and goddesses often make a mistake. Remember, their realm is the realm of immortality. And so they don't really quite have the sensitivity or the understanding of what it's like to be a member of the Nitos, you know, the dead, the mortals, okay? And the mistake that she makes is that she forgot when she made him immortal to also make him eternally young. 
She left out that part. And fate can be very literal when it comes to the reading of these kinds of transactions. <laughs> um, and so he begins to age. And she's like, what's happening? And he begins to age and, and grow old and bent over. And she's like, oh, my God, what's happening to you? And he's like, I thought I had immortality. And she's like, oops, I guess I forgot the eternal youth part. And so he he his 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 his, his, his skin uh, wrinkles his bones break um, he he is so old in his body that it collapses upon itself there's no muscles to hold its itself up um, he's 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 collapsed on the ground he loses his senses he loses his 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 intellect he becomes a babbling idiot and he shrinks into its into himself. And a body becomes what a body becomes when hundreds of years, centuries go past. It becomes dust, but Tathonos is still alive. He's dust, but he's sentient dust in the vague um, proportion that his body once circumscribed on this planet. And so she puts him in a room, like all gods and goddesses. They're just like famous people. When a bad thing happens, they go and call someone to handle this sort of thing. So she she goes and she sort of sweeps up, you know, what's left of Tothonus in a in a in a in a in a dustbin, you know, or 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 and 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 she she goes and um a dustpan and she goes and she empties it in a room and she locks the door and she she goes upon bringing new dawns to new days and with rosy outlooks and celebrating the best and the most optimistic and what's freshest in life and tothonus to this day tothonus still babbles like a chirping cricket which is how he was later on described so this is the thing that death can bring Death brings the release from life, okay, from a life of old age, um, a life of peak, you know, how many people are taken at the, at the peak of their lives, peak of their celebrity, peak of their youth, uh, months within being born, weeks Okay, uh, death can come and and it release it releases from you from the coils of 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 mortality. Uh, death comes and it does this, and this is what Pluto is about, and this is why Pluto is dreaded. This is why Pluto is feared. Even the people who say, you know, I don't fear death. What I fear is dying. There is still, you know, that fear of pain, that fear of collapse uh, that that comes under the shadow of Pluto. But what are we without death? The Greeks, it was fascinating what they talked about. You know, they would talk about things like Kleos, uh, which was glory. You know, yes, I can die on the field of battle of Troy, but if I have Kleos, if I have glory, we would understand this as glory or fame nowadays. If I have fame, I live forever, just like that song from the uh, movie. Fame! Okay, like I can live forever, you know, if I'm famous. Um, or death 
so death might be something that, that that inspires you to get fame or to get power, to be remembered forever. It might inspire you to draw up your bucket list. It might inspire you to be more aspirational. It might drive fear into your heart. I'm I'm so afraid of things dying or falling apart that I that I'm not going to come outside of this cave or this square box that that I live in. Um, I'm going to stay right here, or I'm never going to love because I have such a fear of loss that that I'm never going to do that. So 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 death can add something to your life that gives you a kind of like passion to live, or death can uh, throw a shadow over your life that makes you recoil and go and seek um, solace in in a corner that maybe if you hide here long enough, it will ignore you and then, uh, you know, so that you can live out whatever you're going to live out in your life. But, but death is something that is exclusive to humanity and is unknown by the gods. And what's fascinating is that the gods show a fascination with that. They're intrigued by that. There's, there's something about the love of humans that's more passionate. There's something about the glory of humans that's more powerful. There's something about the loss that humans experience that, 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 that brings a solemnity to their lives. There's something about weeping or heartbreak that brings a profundity to their lives. And here the gods sort of look at humans curiously, you know, and 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 they put on airs, you know, they try to be haughty. They're like, you know, don't you know, you know, just because I'm sleeping with you, don't forget that I'm a Thanatos, that I'm immortal, that I'm better than you. You know, the gods are always treating humans like that. They're always treating humans very poorly. But at the same time, they can't give humans up either. Okay, there's something about them that is just so fascinating. And that's something that that we have. You know, one might be like, that's a really odd thing to be proud of, Christopher, the to take pride in the gift of death, <laughs> you know, and it is an odd thing. But it's also something that makes us more so. Okay, and this is what Pluto does again in an astrological chart, it will make something more so, not in a Jupiterian way, you know, like a lot of times astrologers will say that Jupiter is the planet of expansion, it gives you more of what you want. And, you know, Jupiter asks the question, you know, can you, uh, uh, is there such a thing as too much of a good thing? No, you know, type of thing. And, and so Jupiter does that, you know, but Pluto, Pluto infuses our life with a profundity because we know it's not going to last forever, despite our not wanting to pay attention to that, our, our, our denial, our, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to think about that, uh, that sort of thing. I think the only people that who really go over their estates and plan on who they're going to give things to are either, you know, to-do list people or people who are going to delight in giving someone nothing at the end of their days. But anyway, um, no, but Pluto infuses your life. Death and infuses your life with life. You know, it, it, it brings more life. And so what Pluto does in a chart, it doesn't bring more urgency, but it brings more force behind it. Okay, so so if you have a need to grab power or to live forever, Pluto near one of your planets is going to do this. It's going to make that even more so. But, but Pluto, um, at the same time, because it is a planet connected with, with death and with endings, Pluto at the same time 
uh, as its guise as death, throws us back on the two important questions that we ask uh, because we are a species that has an imagination, uh, a species that can imagine death. I mean, all species experience death, and we don't know other species' understandings of death. I mean, there's certainly a very, you know, basic understanding when an insect uh, knows that you're going to, you know, bring down a hand or a foot or whatever, it will scurry out of the way. It, it, it knows, you know, so there's a fear of death that's, that, that's there. We don't know how they imagine or image death. We do, and we know how we do it. And so what Pluto, what death does when it's 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 a it's a force in your life when you're aware of it in your life it may be your own death or it's the death of a loved one or someone close to you death of a civilization a society a death of a moment you know that was the best moment of my life you know i'd love that moment and i'm never going to relive that moment again i mean like the cinderella story the best moments of her life are the moments that lead up to 12 midnight. You know, that's the best Cinderella's life is ever going to get when she's dancing with the prince, when she's looking beautiful and the entire ball is admiring her, you know, and then comes the stroke of 12. Well, between the time that the um, fairy godmother says, you know, at the stroke of 12, you're going to have to leave the ball uh, because you revert back to your appearance as a charwoman. So between that time when she's off to the ball, you know, and, and she knows that the cl clock is going to strike 12 she is having the time of her life okay this is this is the best it's ever going to be and that stroke of 12 that stroke of 12 is the death of that moment which is so ecstatic yes we go through the the glass slipper and she becomes queen of the realm but but it's never as good as that ball. So, so, so death is also that. It's the death of that of, of, of that moment, you know, that may live on in our memory. Um, but, but when faced with Pluto, when faced with death, it, it throws you back upon two things in your life. Okay, um, and 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 the questions are two questions really. And the first question is, did I live a good life? You know, did I, did I live a good life? Okay, so there's a moral uh, consciousness that that death and Pluto throws you back on, and of course, if you're asking, did I live a good life? That's Jupiter. That's the realm of Jupiter. Okay, because um, Jupiter is the planet of morality in an, in in a in a chart. It's the planet of belief, what you believe in, but it's also the planet of morality good and bad. This is this is espoused by Jupiter. The other question that you're thrown back on is, um, did, did I have enough time? Did I make the most of my time here on the planet? You know, Pluto throws this back. You know, did I have enough time? Did I get my time? Did I make the most of my time on this planet? And of course, if you're talking about, did I have enough time? Did I make the most of my life in that time? You're talking about the planet Saturn. So what's fascinating is that Pluto, which is the last of the planets in, in astrology, uh, we've yet to determine the status of the, of is it a dwarf planet, an asteroid, whatever. Pluto is really the end. It's the last of them. And Pluto throws you back upon the Jupiter and the Saturn, which were the two last 
planets of the original seven of the ancient seven planets in 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 astrology and so this is the sort of thing that i want you to think about during this time uh between now and when pluto leaves the zodiac sign of Capricorn in March 2023. This is an extraordinary experience. It happens, as I said earlier, once every 272 years, you know, that that we're going to, you know, 272 years ago was the last time Pluto left Capricorn to enter the zodiac sign of Aquarius, okay? And so this is talking about legacy. This is talking about history. This is talking about do you care about future generations or are you like, who cares about the future generation? I'm, you know, going to live the way my, you know, <clears throat> my life is going to be, you know, type of thing. Is there a concern or care about the future of, of, of the world? Or do you, um, do you live, have you elected in a dystopian world? You know, um, are you of the group that, you know, can't wait for the end of the world because then the real world enters, you know, type of thing. And so, and so you see this world as being something that's disposable or bad or, or negative because there's a greater world that's coming, you know, type of thing. Um, so, so all of these things, all of these notions that we have of death and afterlife are wrapped up in this. And, and you may be facing these struggles in your life right now, you know, or, or you may not, but on some level, you're going to be registering in your horoscope, this direct motion of Pluto as it moves to uh, forward toward, uh, through the last degrees of Capricorn and into a new sign of Aquarius. And something that I want you to think about and to ask yourself is, you know, instead of putting it in the past tense, let's put it in the present tense. Am I living a good life? Huh? And am I making the most of the time that I have here on this planet? Let these be the questions that guide you and move you in this time between now and March 2023. Hi there, I'm Amy Escobar, a producer of the Horoscope Highlight Show with Christopher Renstrom. Thanks for tuning in to the Astrology Hub Podcast Network. If you love the show, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share it. And if you don't know how to do that, here's how you can leave a review in Apple Podcasts on iPhone. Make sure you're on the landing page for the Astrology Hub podcast and not an individual episode. Scroll down to the bottom until you reach ratings and reviews. Click one of the five stars under tap to rate to leave a rating. And under the most recent review, tap the write a review button. And if you're on another device, just find out how to leave a review on whatever podcast player you use. Then share what you love about the show or how it helps you navigate your life. We'd love to hear your stories. And by doing this, you make it possible to make shows like Horoscope Highlights happen every week. Thank you again for tuning in, for being a part of our community, and for making astrology a part of your life.